Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. I'm excited about today, though, because it is Mother's Day, and that means that I have the mother of our children, our four kids, on stage with me. I had somebody tell me before the first service today, they said, hey, last Sunday, they said, no pressure, but last, uh, last year on Mother's Day, it was our first Sunday here, and Corey spoke. And we haven't missed a Sunday yet. And so we're really disappointed you're a part of today. But we're thankful she's been, <laughs> but she's really been able to speak a couple today. times throughout the year. She's always great. It's not her comfort, but she does fantastic. But I'm so thankful that she has agreed to help speak today. And I love you so much. I love you. Well, happy Mother's Day to you all in the room today. We're so honored that you would spend part of your Mother's Day with us. If you are a mother in the room, will you do me the honor to stand? Yeah. Stand up if you're a mom in the room. All right, all right, grandma in the room. If you're a grandma, stand up. You're still a mama. Grandma, we honor you today. We know um, in a room like this, not only are there incredible moms, but there are also people in the room who, who are mourning the loss of their mom yeah. or who are grieving the fact that they're not a mom yet. And so even on Mother's Day, where it is celebratory and moms should be honored for who they are and all that they do, we also know that on a day like this, it comes with some heaviness. And so our prayers are with you. You are thought of today. You are not forgotten. And so we love you. We're glad you're here. We honor you. And we're praying that God not only comforts your heart if you're in a season of grief, but also gives you the desires of your heart, whatever that looks like. And then if you're a mom in the room, I hope you feel celebrated today. You feel loved today. And you leave this room encouraged today. I know sometimes on Mother's Day, especially when the kids were much younger, I would be like, Leaving, leaving church and be like, oh, that was heavy. I'm doing a horrible job. Oh, my gosh. No, I want you today to feel um, encouraged yeah. that you are doing a good job and yeah. you're doing better than you think you are. And that's if right. you are in pursuit of Jesus, your kids are watching, and that's really all that, that matters is, is the way you're loving and leading your family. So I want you today to leave encouraged. We have some gifts we would love to get in your hand today because we have some bunk cakes for you because, listen, you are nothing but the best. Let's go. Let's go. You like how we did that? You like you're nothing but the best. So we have some bunk cakes for you. And listen, I know moms will not eat cake in front of their kids. Now, a dad. Dads will. Jeremy would have no problem. You don't want to ruin your dinner. I'll eat it. Jeremy would have no problem grabbing one of those cakes, going to check out kids and eating it right in front of them and never giving them one bite. That's right. I would feel so guilty eating that cake and not giving it and sharing it with my children. So here's what we've done. But they're really good. I've already had (laughs) three. We've got bunk cakes for you, mom. There is enough for dads as well. We didn't forget about you today, dads. We know you like bunk cakes too. And so upstairs though, so moms, you don't have to share your bunk cakes. We have cupcakes just for the kids upstairs. So you don't have to feel guilty about eating your cake. The kids have got some upstairs as well. And dads don't feel guilty about getting one either. I know that <laughs> weighs heavy. No, okay. So, so. They, won't feel, they won't feel guilty. You wouldn't feel guilty. No, not you like bit. the red velvet. The red velvet was fantastic. I'll just no. tell you. I got an amen over here. Somebody just got somebody saved, got... I think. <laughs> but they're really good. They're oh, fantastic. And then same. we also have a gift for single moms. Yes, we do. We recognize you were raised by a single mom. I was. And we recognize that some of you in the room that you are kind of carrying, you're wearing two hats and you're carrying a a load that maybe you didn't think you would be carrying. And uh, hopefully your children 
uh, have, have given you something, gotten you something, but we just want to give you a gas card. All you got to do is go to the information center today and just let them know that you're a single mom. We want to give you a gas card. And so that way we can just give a gift to you on behalf of your church family. You have a hard job. Yeah, you're, you have a hard job. You're wearing the weight of mom and dad. That's right. It's not easy. Yeah. And so sometimes your kids don't have the ability to get you a gift. That's right. So this is a gift on us, free gas. Yeah. So we love you and we're thankful for you as well. And we just want to support you. But I am thankful that on this Mother's Day, we get to continue in the series of sermons that we started last week. And last week, Pastor Carson and Pastor Madeline, uh, they started us on a series called Way of the Wise. And it was really this look to the book of Proverbs to understand, like, what is it that we should be doing? We're going to comp- complete that series next Sunday. But what is it that we should be doing in life? Like, how, how do the, the things that we think and the things that we say and the things that we do, like, how do they matter? Why do they matter? What is it we're supposed to do? How do we get wisdom to be able to make sure we're doing the right things? And so we went to the book of Proverbs to really try to understand those things. The theme of the book of Proverbs is primarily like there's two tracks. You can, you can take the way of the wise or you can take the way of the foolish, that you can do the things that are wise and the wisdom of God helps guide and counsel you, or you can do the things that foolish people do and that will not lead you to the destination that you desire for your life. And so we're reading today from Proverbs chapter four, verse 20 through 22, when it says this, my child, pay attention to my words. Any parents ever said that? Mm-hmm. Uh, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to what I say. Don't ever forget my words. Keep them always in mind. They are the key to life for those who, who find them. They bring health to the whole body. So last week, we talked about this idea of the things that we think, that, that, that really understanding how our mind works and what should we allow our mind to do and not do. And so we talked about really kind of leaning in and clinging to the truth of God's word and God's promises for you and not giving in to the lies that you should take captive those thoughts that are not from God and then allowing the truth to guide you and not the lies of the enemy that's trying to distract you, to steal, to kill, and to destroy your life. And so we talked about a lot about our thought life. And so today we want to talk about the things that we say, speech, how, how we conduct our lives through our words. And, and that's so important for all of us because when we look at the book of Proverbs, we see a ton about speech. Now remember, the book of Proverbs was primarily these thoughts and collected wisdom of King Solomon. He was the son of King David. And he's often referred to as the wisest man ever to live. And he had great wealth, great riches, and so he had all of these things at his disposal, but this, this journey of his life was him attempting to figure out, like, what is it all for? What does it all mean? What should I actually be doing? And over and over and over again, he talks a lot about our speech. He talks a lot about taming our tongue. He talks a lot about watching your words and being careful with your words and not just scattering your words. So making sure that the words that we use for instruction and the words that we use to to interact with other people, that they are valuable, that we treat them as such, and we make sure that, that we're able to treat people the way they should be treated and we're able to teach people the things that they should know. We want to walk with the wise, especially in the way that we talk, and not walk with the foolish. Yes, so let's look at Solomon and make Maybe his life and what he has to say to mothers and fathers. Let's look at Proverbs 1 8. I have two translations. The first is the New Century Version. And it says, My child, listen to your father's teaching and do not forsake your mother's advice. And the NIV says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. I, several weeks ago, we were preparing for Mother's Day and looking at the church calendar at large, and I was reading through some scripture, and this one jumped off the pages at me. Jeremy was away, and so I texted him and said, hey, I've got an idea for Mother's Day. 
And so I sent him this verse, and I don't know what it's like in your home. If you have younger kids, maybe you haven't witnessed this quite yet. Our kids are, are a little older in age. And so when I read this verse, I got a little tickled because it says, Listen to your father's instructions. And do not forsake your mother's teachings. Or, my child, listen to your father's teachings and do not forget your mother's advice. It's this idea that there are two roles being played in the house, right? Jeremy oftentimes in our home is the, like, disciplinarian, like, cleans the house, has everybody, like, pitch in to clean the house. I'm a pushover. They know it and they play that a little bit. It's like, but mom said we don't have to clean, Tucker told us last night, he was like, when I get older and have my own house, I know dad's just going to show up and be like, hey, let's do a five-minute pickup. I don't know. I guess that's what we do in our house. I guess that's what we yeah, do. Yeah. I guess. And, but I have teenagers. And so they often come to me for advice. Now they go to Jeremy for advice. He's incredibly wise and they seek his advice often. But in, I know in like relationships, our older kids, our teenagers, for relationship advice, they're like, mom, what should I do? What should I send her? How should I talk to her? It's this advice. If you're not in that stage yet, you just wait. That's yeah. a fun one. That's when they're a fun talking one. to us and they're like, I probably shouldn't be telling you this, but at least I'm talking to you. We're like... Well, thank God you're talking to us, but let's go pray, and then we'll come back and talk to you about this. Like, it's just, whew, okay, let's go. Let's go. No, but this idea that we are to instruct our children. Yeah. We are to teach them. We are to help listen and instruct them yeah. in this thing called life. And what oftentimes as parents we don't think about, or maybe we think about it, but we weren't taught this ourselves, is we're trying to teach these children things that we still haven't learned for ourselves, right? Yeah. yeah. We're trying to instruct them on some things that we're still getting wrong and messing up because we're all flawed and we're all human. And so here we are as parents trying to teach these little ones and advise them and, and give them advice and wisdom and speak life into them when we're trying to figure those things out too. So we often have to go to God's word to figure out what it is that we should be teaching. Because we are teaching them something, right? Yeah. That's just part of the nature of the beast with children. We're teaching them something. You're teaching them how to crawl. You're teaching them how to walk. You're teaching them how to eat solid foods. You're teaching them how to, what's two plus two? Four. Four. We're teaching them how to, how to have conversation and communication with people. We're t- teaching them how to honor and respect people and listen to authority, right? We're teaching them, if you're in pursuit of, God's wor- of, of God in your home, you're teaching them about God's word and instructing, him, it's instructing them in the ways of, of what God has called them to in their life. We're teaching them something, Right? We're teaching them manners, things like say please, say thank you. The other day, I do this so often in our home, like say thank you, make sure you say thank you. Did you say thank you? Make sure you text them thank you. Maybe you should tell them thank you. I do it so often in our home that the other day we were at a a ball game for Tucker. Tucker was playing. There was a break in between the games. We had gone to the concession stand. We were standing in line. We got up. Jeremy had ordered several hot dogs. He was about to pay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That made it sound like I was going to eat all those hot dogs. Man. I was ordering for the family. <laughs> I feel Sorry. like that got skipped okay, over. Okay, I apologize. He was ordering several hot dogs for the family. Thank you. And when they handed him the hot dogs, I said, say thank you. To me. <laughs> I am so grown. Which, so I said, say thank you. I said, thank so you. So Jeremy said, thank you. And then I said, thank you to her. I mean, I was just And like, so then I walked off and was like, I didn't mean to tell you to say thank you. You're yeah. a grown man. I'm sorry. It just happened, right? We are s- instructing our kids so much that sometimes it even like infiltrates our marriage. Like, say thank you. <laughs> but we can go to God's word and look, and yeah. maybe there are some very specific things we can learn. And there are hundreds of them. Today, sure. we'll just give a few. 
But there are very specific things in God's word that we can glean from as parents to figure out what it is we should be instructing our kids to and yeah. for. And one of those ideas today came out of what we were just talking about. It's the idea of gratitude. Yeah. You know, it's the saying thank you, which we talked about. But thankfulness is also always or almost always connected to a response, right? Someone gives you something, you say thank, thank you. you. Someone hands you something, it's a service connected to it, right? It's thank you. The idea of gratitude, though, is, isn't necessarily connected to much of an emotion. It's gratitude is an attitude. attitude, right? Maybe you've heard that said, or maybe you even say that in your home, that gratitude is an attitude. It's, it's something different than a, just a response to something someone has done for you. Gratitude is this deep thing kind of within us that is like what we have is enough. What God's is done in me, what God has done in me is enough. What I have is enough. It's this underlying like thing that kind of drives your life, that gratitude, you're, you're beyond thankful for it. It's not just in response to something. It's just this deep thing within you that you can be thankful for. It seems hard to have gratitude in our world right now, right? It's always probably something that we've had to work towards or think about. But I know with like social media, we're constant comparing ourselves, constantly comparing ourselves to what other people have. Our teenagers, our kids within school, I remember when they were in kindergarten, my kids came home and they were like, we need elite socks. Does anybody have kids that wore elite socks? Were you at the age? Elite socks. I was like, what the heck? I mean, Walmart white socks are good enough. What are elite socks? And there were these Nike socks that you pulled up really high and they were like these vibrant colors, these arrows, and they said elite across it. And every one of my kids wanted elite socks. They were like $45 yeah, a pair, elite, right? right? Elite, right. Yeah. And I'm like, why aren't your 99 cent Walmart crew cut socks enough? You know, like this gratitude is something that we have to forge. And it's easy to compare ourselves to other people and what they have and somehow think that what we have is not enough. But gratitude isn't just this like worldly feeling. If you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, your gratitude comes from something much bigger because you know what you've been forgiven of. Yeah. You know what you have been rescued from. That's right. You know what God has purposed you for. Gratitude is this deep thing within us that then we can pass on to our kids that said, you are enough. What you have is enough. What God's given you is enough. Psalms 107, 21 said, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Gratefulness is that you're enough. It's unconditional. It's this teaches them so much about who God is and what God has done out of this depth of gratitude that said, we don't deserve it this unfailing love, yet you gave it to us freely. We don't deserve this, this wonderful deeds of kindness, yet you gave it to us, Jesus. And that drives our life to have such gratitude that says maybe our life isn't perfect, maybe we don't have it all together, but man, how grateful we are for all that God has done or is going to do. And the gratitude of our lives helps lead our family and teaches our kids beyond thankfulness but gratitude. Yeah. The second thing that I think we can teach our kids is kindness. Kindness, right? We, we teach them from a very young age that they're supposed to be kind to people. They're supposed to share well. They're just supposed to be nice and kind 
to people. And, and I think the older I get, the more I recognize, like, this is just a missing ingredient in our world right now, isn't it? Like, it's just, you ever been around somebody? Nobody in our church does this, but other people at other places, they do this. They get in line behind somebody, and they get rude to the people in line, or they get mean to the person that's taking their order or serving them the food, or like, like they're entitled to, like, no, 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 there, there is definitely something missing in our culture right now. And I think that, that upside down kind of kingdom of God culture thing that we're called to, one of the attributes of that kingdom culture is kindness. Scripture tells us that it's the kindness of God that draws us to repentance. Well, could it be that our kindness draws them to his kindness? And we don't want to do anything that turns them away from his kindness and their ability for them to see all that he has for them. But man, there's just some missing things as it relates to kindness. Have you ever met anybody that was just like super kind? I'm not talking about being a pushover. I know we used that word earlier. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying like they were just like kind. That they, they might have hard conversations with you. I remember my second grade teacher. She was unbelievably kind. Now, I remember getting in trouble some in second grade. I remember taking tests. I'm sure I didn't make 100 on every test in second grade. But like, so she had to grade us and score things. But I remember her being so unbelievably kind and gracious to us in our classroom. I think about both of my grandmothers, just godly women, but they were just so kind to people, even when they didn't have to be. And and I love the idea that when Jesus was on the earth and he was walking and doing ministry, I love that he constantly challenged and pushed on the religious people and it kind of still pushes on us. He was like, why do you want credit for being kind to people that are kind to you? Like even the heathens do that. No, your kindness will be set apart. The differentiator here for you in kindness is when you're kind to people who can't do anything for you in return. You're kind to people who, in worldly terms, they don't even deserve your kindness because they're mean to you. And she mentioned social media, and in and of itself, it's not bad. But it's amazing how social media has given everyone a platform, and we assume that everybody wants to know what we're thinking all at the same time. And so what we do is we get behind our keyboard or we get on our device and we just start screaming and yelling at people for no reason. People sometimes that we've never met, that we don't know, like that that they disagree with us, they're on the other side of an issue, or and we start labeling them and yelling at them and screaming at them. I'm not saying don't stand for what's right, absolutely do that. I'm not saying make sure that you're clear about what you believe, absolutely do that. But there is a way to disagree and be kind. There is a way online and in person to be different from someone and still be kind. Like there is a way to do that. And for so many people in our world, it's like if we're on different sides of an issue, if we're on different sides of a political party, if we're in different divisions on our job, if we're both working to get the same project or we're both working to fight for the same budget dollars, like now it's got to be divisive and it's got to be mean-spirited and it's got to be this ugly, angry, mean thing And I believe that God is calling followers of Jesus Christ to do something different. And the thing that we can do is we can instill it into our children. How much different will our world be in 10 or 15 or 20 years if all of our homes are just constantly teaching and modeling kindness? Just kindness to one another. Not just like, hey, you need to share well, but that's a part of it. Hey, you just need to be kind to people. Again, all kinds of people in our homes. Sometimes it's easier to be kind to people outside of our homes than it is to people inside of our homes. I don't expect an amen right there, but I think we all recognize sometimes that's just true. And so like, let's just model that in our homes. And when we get it wrong, let's just kind of go back and apologize and make sure that we just constantly are kind to one another. This is what Luke chapter six says. It says this in verse 35. It says, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. 
and your reward will be great. Expect nothing in return. Just be kind over and over and over again. What if today we left this place and one of the things that we put into practice is that we were just kind to as many people as we possibly could be today? You know, sometimes random acts of kindness get connected to financial things like, oh, buy the person's, you know, coffee behind you or buy the person's lunch behind you or buy, you know, maybe so. Maybe that's what you do in response to even what we're talking about right here. But what if you were just kind for free? Like kind for kindness sake. You just, you got in line at the restaurant, but you just allowed somebody to go in front of you. Like you're just going to wait the extra three minutes. You're going to be okay. Like you're going down the lane. The guy should have known that you had to merge way back there, but he's right here. I'm going to let him in. (gasps) Right? I know. I know. I'm working through something. It happened yesterday on the road. Just just pray for me. Right? I'm just going to be kind. I'm just going to let him in. Like we're just going to find ways to be kind to people for no reason, and people that can't do anything in return for us. Number three, something we're teaching our kids that we can pull from the wisest man that the Bible says ever lived is forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is a hard one, right? It's a powerful one, but it's a hard one. Because as parents in the room, you yourself have been hurt, You yourself probably have some baggage that you carried into your marriage or into these childbearing years and into growing up, raising teenagers. You have some things in your life that have been done to you and you're working through forgiveness and then we're supposed to teach forgiveness. And that's a hard thing to do, right? I remember when the kids were young, you kind of teach your your kids to, to forgive, And so I remember Tucker, we have four kids, 18, 16, 14 on Friday, Tucker's birthday's coming up, and then 12 this summer. But Tucker and Kinley are the youngest two, and Kinley is the only girl. And Tucker tried to make Kinley's life pretty difficult, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Like he just, he still just aggravates her all the time, just to aggravate her, not to be mean, just to aggravate her. So when they were little, I remember he would like aggravate her on purpose. Like you could watch him trying to like get her all like riled up. So eventually I'd say, Tucker, stop that and tell her you're sorry. And so he'd say, Kinley, I'm sorry. She'd just look at him. And I'd say, Kinley, he said he was sorry. Tell him it's okay. She said, it's not okay. It's not okay. And I said, well, you're right. It's not okay. Okay, Tucker, it's not okay. Don't do that to her in the, anymore. But accept, Kinley, you've got to accept his apology. He's saying he's sorry. And she, well, it's, it's okay. I'm so, it's, it's all right, but it's not okay. And she would always, she still says that. It's okay, but it's not really okay. You know? And that's, that's how forgiveness works a little bit, right? Teaching our kids forgiveness is not saying that when someone is doing something wrong to you all the time, you stay in it. Right. It's this idea that's like, if someone is asking you for your forgiveness, if someone has done something wrong to you, to the best of your ability, you are going to forgive them. And not always for their sake, but for yours. So that you're not carrying this deep hurt and baggage and wound with you. There is so much we can learn when we forgive others about the forgiveness of God. That's good. So much of what we're teaching our kids, they are learning about God's character, about God's nature, and who He is. And when we have the ability to forgive those who have hurt us, and then to teach our kids how to forgive people 
in their life who have said things they shouldn't have said or do things that they shouldn't have done. We can better accept the forgiveness of a loving heavenly father that died on the cross for our sins when we did not deserve it. Knowing that we would mess up, knowing that we would make mistakes, yet he still went to the cross. And we can understand forgiveness better and the forgiveness of God and how we can receive his forgiveness when we forgive others. And that's a hard thing to teach, but I think it's a necessary step in teaching our kids what it looks like to live in a fallen and broken world. And yet they can accept forgiveness and they can forgive forgiveness. And when doing that, they can better understand the character and the love and the nature of Jesus. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So much of what you're teaching your kids is teaching them about who God is. I've I've said it before from, from this stage, mostly in marriage conferences. So much of what I know to be true about God, I learned from people that sat in my church, just like you. I grew up with a single mom, a very broken home, never met my biological father, the dad that that adopted me, took his own life. Messy. My mom had, though, this inability. It was amazing to, to fall in love with Jesus and to forgive all that had happened to her and and in, in response to that, it taught me so much about the love of God. And let me just say, if you have been hurt in this room, maybe your home life is broken or your life is messy, that God can fill in all the gaps of all of the missing pieces That's of right. your life. That's right. He has the ability to forgive you and then allow you to walk in peace and hope with a bigger, better future. Yeah. And I think for all of us, that's, that's really kind of what we're talking about today is that if you're a parent in the room, a grandparent in the room, an aunt or uncle, or you're just a part of our church family, what we prayed during that dedication was that God would help us to model these types of things for the kids that are a part of our church and community and being raised in your home and they live on your street and they're on your ball team and they're in your classroom because we have the ability to be models and examples to our own children and grandchildren, but also to others who are watching And so much of what I learned about the forgiveness of God, I learned through my parents. I learned through my grandparents. I learned through teachers. I learned through people in my church. And we have that opportunity to teach and to instruct and to model for them. And when we get it wrong, we apologize ourselves. We say, hey, I'm not perfect, but it's not about perfection. It's about pursuit. We're just pursuing Jesus with the best of our ability but we have that opportunity, which really leads us to this last thing. If, if, if they're grateful and they're kind and they're forgiving, those are good traits. But we don't want them to just be good moral people. We don't want them to just make good decisions. We want their lives to be centered on faith in Jesus Christ. And the most important thing that we can teach our children and our grandchildren, the most important thing we can do in our own lives is to live lives of faith. And maybe that's what you showed up to church and you kind of expect the pastors to say, but like, I'm a pastor. What do you want me to say? But even beyond that, like faith changed my life. Like faith is the differentiator. Like there are evil people, I'm sure, that are somehow grateful. And there are evil people, I'm sure, that are somehow kind. And there are evil people that are somehow forgiving in some form, some way, fleshing it out. But all the things we're talking about, they come out of our faith. 
We forgive because he first forgave us. We are kind because it's the kindness that draws people to the repentance of a God that they find who is gracious and who is merciful. And it's the joy, that fruit of the spirit. It's that joy that passes all understanding, that peace that can come to our hearts when we are grateful for the things that we have. Like there's a difference in our lives in faith. And and let me just say to you, if you're a parent in the room and you got your family up today and you might've fought all morning to get here, but you're here, we're thankful for that. You made a great decision today, and we want you to come and to continue to bring them into environments where they can continue to grow and learn about the character and nature of God. But you have to possess faith for yourself. You can't teach your children something that you don't have. You can't give them something you don't first have in your, in your hands. You got to possess faith for yourself. And so when I thought about this, when I'm thinking about this, like faith is a challenging thing. When we pray, we pray with our kids, we pray for a need, when they've got something coming up in their life or something that's going on, and we pray, we want to pray with confidence and faith, like we've already talked about today. We're trusting God, believing God for something that's bigger than ourselves, larger than ourselves, and we trust and believe that God is able. We're teaching our children that while these are good things, that work ethic and hard work and, and providing for your family and being a good person and kind and being a good student, all of those things are right. You should do those things. But the foundation of your life should be faith in Jesus Christ. And all of those things should come in response to the kind of person that you want to become. Not to try to earn God's grace and to earn his forgiveness and earn his love. You can't do anything for him to love you any more than he already does. But out of response to what he's already done for us, the cross of Jesus Christ, now we are the kinds of people who honor him on our jobs and in our classroom and on our teams and with self-discipline. That's what we do because of who we are becoming in Christ Jesus. It is faith that shapes our lives. So let me just say to all of us in the room who are kids, you're a son or a daughter of any age. So I'm not just talking to the middle schoolers and high schoolers and college students and young adults. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me and people my age and those that are even older. If your parents are still living, you're still a kid. You got a mom and a dad somewhere in this world. You're still a kid. Here's here's what I would say to you right from the pages of Scripture in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20 through 22. It says this, My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. Honor your father and mother. To the very best of your ability at every age of your life, honor your father and mother. My prayer and my hope for you is that you have a father and a mother, both blood and maybe spiritual, that that modeled for you what it meant to have faith in Jesus Christ and to be this kind of person in pursuit of a growing relationship and the fruit of the Spirit was manifested in their life and exhibited in their life. And I I pray and hope that's the case. We're going to pray and talk to parents here in just a second too. But just find the good in who they were and find the good in who they are and what they invest in you and the counsel they try to provide you and honor father and mother. And take the things that they give to you that are wise counsel and hang them around your neck, like put them close to your heart. Let them guide you and Use that wisdom and glean from it and and walk in the ways and the paths that they've kind of blazed a trail for you to the best of their ability, follow in that pursuit, especially if they are people of faith. And if not, continue to pray for them and allow the Lord to use you to help shape and bring them back to a life of faith. It's a challenge for all of us. But now beyond just children, for every single one of us, as parents, single individuals, married couples without kids, grandparents, aunts, uncles, and everybody in between. There is a great challenge for all of us, and it comes from the passage of Scripture 
the chapter of Scripture where we draw the name of our church. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is a place that we point to a lot. When we were first started as a church, we met at Sequoia High School for 209 Sundays, setting it up, tearing it down. We moved into this location in 2016, upstairs. We expanded, renovated upstairs. Then we eventually moved into this space in 2020. This was a Sears. If you weren't aware, you could buy a refrigerator right over there. We moved into this space, and we started worshiping in this space late in the summer, early in the fall of 2020. But when we separated from the church that launched us, they planted us, when they kind of sent us out on our own, the very first series of sermons that we did came from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and that series was called Generations. And I want to read a portion of that passage of Scripture from Deuteronomy 6. And I want it to speak to all of us and challenge all of us in the ways that we should live. This is what it says, beginning in verse 2, and then we're going to skip to verse 5. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Impress them, the law, on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tell them as symbols. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large and flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of things, uh, kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. The very first part there is so that you, your children, and their children. Those three bars that are our logo, if you didn't know that, that's, that's generations side by side. Doing life together, doing faith together, passing faith from one generation to the next. Commending thy works to the next generation. Like that's the responsibility that we have. But you've got to possess faith for yourself. And then we've got to pass it on to those who are coming after us. We have an important job to do. Yeah, we want to teach gratitude. It's important. We want to teach kindness. We want to teach forgiveness. We want to teach integrity and honesty and so many other things like Corey shared. There's, there's hundreds and probably thousands of things that we want to teach our kids. But we want to start with faith. We want to make sure that they know what it means to follow after Jesus Christ and to build our lives on who he is and what he's done for us. And so we want to pray together today to recognize that all of us have to be in pursuit of a growing personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that as we do that, then we're not done, that we haven't crossed the finish line. Now it's our responsibility to pass that on and to help impress those things upon our children and to talk about it in our homes and to talk about it around the tables and when we get in the car. Like faith shouldn't just be something we do on Sunday. You, you, you heard us talk about it a little bit the with the dedication, but we believe that moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles, that you should be the primary disciplers of your children. And we want to complement that. We want to equip you for that. We want to resource you with that. And where we need to, we will fill in the gap if that's not possible in your home. But we want to equip you to disciple your children and to love them and to lead them towards a growing relationship 
with Christ. I love when we hear the story of kids getting saved and G kids. But I, I also love the stories when we get a text message or a, a picture that says, hey, my son prayed a prayer at our, at our house tonight as we were doing devotions. Or we were praying before we went to bed. We were talking about what they learned in G-Kids or in Generation U. They prayed tonight and, and we get that picture. We get that story. I love to hear those things because you're taking serious the responsibility that you've been given. And we want to support you. We, we love that God equips every generation. Every generation has value. And it's our responsibility to take what we have and to pass it on to those that are coming after us. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head, close your eyes just for a moment. And if you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I know that like what you're describing is important, but like I am not personally in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not, I'm not saved. I need him to forgive my sins and to be my Lord and Savior. And I want to make sure that I do that today so that I can possess it for myself before I try to pass it on to somebody else. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? I want to pray for you. You can put it right down after you do. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. In just a moment when we pray, I'm going to give you an opportunity to just ask God to forgive your sins and to be your Lord and your Savior. And I want you to do that. We'll celebrate with you for that decision. And now if you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, it's not necessarily about salvation for myself, but I want our home, I want our family to be one that's founded on, grounded on Jesus Christ a life of faith, a home of faith, so that all the things you're talking about can be things that come out of our home, but we want it to be centered in Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you lift your hand? My hand's up right now. So many of us today. Let's pray together. God, we love you, and we thank you for every person that's here, every person that's watching right now, every person that may watch or listen in the future. But God, we pray right now for every person that's acknowledged their need for you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God, Romans chapter 3 tells us. And so, God, we thank you for the chance to respond to your unfailing love and your grace and your mercy to us. And so, God, now as they respond to you, and I encourage you to do that right now, just pray, Lord, forgive my sins and be the Lord of my life. Lord, as they do that right now, we celebrate with heaven that you've already done that work that's necessary for their salvation. And so, God, we thank you for that. And, Lord, I pray now for every hand that was lifted to say we want our home to be centered on Jesus Christ. God, none of us are going to get it right all the time. None of us are going to get it perfect. But God, help us to stay in pursuit of you. Help every mom and every dad, every child, every grandparent, every aunt and uncle, extended family in our church community. God, help us to more and more grow in the character and nature of your son, Jesus Christ, to be formed into that image. And God, we thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.